Rhapsodize Presents A Polyglot Ulysses Introduced and performed by Dennis Daly While Browning, of all poets, is most closely associated with the dramatic monologue, one of the most celebrated examples of the genre is Tennyson's Ulysses. Perhaps nothing could more illustrate the range of expression of which this genre is capable than the contrast between the sonorous vision of the legendary Greek hero and the grubby and self-justifying rants of Browning's devastatingly flawed characters. Browning's monologues are generally about love, whether it be love corrupted, as in My Last Duchess, love desired but out of reach, as in Andrea del Sarto, the absence of love, as in A Grammarian's Funeral, or love as a fashion accessory, as in A Toccata of Galuppi's. Tennyson, on the other hand, will have nothing to do with sentiments so traduced. His Ulysses is a pain to the glory of adventure and the nobility of conquest. The spirit of the aged Ulysses is strong, and though his flesh may be weak, it is not corrupt. Perhaps the supreme achievement of Tennyson's poem is that he makes nobility of purpose interesting, but not jingoistic. We may doubt that Ulysses still has what it takes to achieve his grand design, but we applaud his endeavour just the same. The major source of Tennyson's story comes not from the Homeric epics, but from Canto twenty-six of Dante's Inferno. Dante has placed Ulysses in hell because of the latter's duplicity, particularly in deceiving the Trojans, the founders of the future Rome, and also because of his disrespect for the gods and the natural limits of human ambition. In a theocratic absolutism of the Middle Ages, such radical behaviour was naturally discouraged, but by the Victorian era, a spirit of daring exploration evoked respect and admiration, if not always approval. Hence, Tennyson focuses on the heroism, not the hubris, and in fact inverts Dante's view. For Ulysses, retirement is in fact hell, and the true joy of life resides in daring escapades. By the way, Dante's narrative, spoken by the spirit of Ulysses, appears to be completely his own invention. For this collection I will be reading the relevant portion of Canto 26 in Italian, followed by Longfellow's translation of this excerpt, and finally, Tennyson's poem. Inferno, Canto 26 Lo maggior corno della fiamma antica cominciò a crollarsi mormorando pur come quella qui vento a fatica. Indi la cima qua e la manando come fosse la lingua che parlasse Gitto voci di fuori, e disse, Quando mi diparti da circe, Che sottrasse mi più d'un anno la presso a gieta, Prima che si enea la nominasse, Né dolcezza di figlio, né la pietà del vecchio padre, Nel debito amore lo qual dovea penelope fa lieta. Vincer potero dentro a me l'adore, che ebbi a divenir del mondo esperto, e dili vizi umani, e del valore. Ma misi me per l'altro mare aperto, 
sol con un legno e con quella compagna piccola dall'acqua non fui deserto l'un lito all'altro vidi infin la spagna fin nel morocco e l'isla di sardi e l'altre che quel mare intorno bagna io e i compagni eravamo vecchi e tardi quando venimmo a quella voce stretta dove ercole segno le suoi rigardi a ciò che l'uom più oltre non si metta dalla man destra mi lasciai sibilia dall'altra già mi avea lasciata setta o oh, frati dissi che per cento miglia perigli siete giunti all'occidente a questa tanto piccola vigilia di nostri sensi che del rimanente non vogliate negar l'esperienza di retro al sol del mondo senza gente considerate la vostra semenza fatti non foste a viver come brutti ma per seguir virtute e conoscenza li miei compagni fecio si aguti con questa orazione piccola al cammino che appena poscia li avrei ritenuti e volta nostra poppa nel mattino dei remi facemmo alli al folle volo sempre acquistando dal lato mancino tutte le stelle già dell'altro polo vedea la notte il nostro tanto basso che non sorgea fuor del marin suolo cinque volte racceso e tante casso lo lume era di sotto dalla luna poiché in entrati eravam nell'altro passo quando n'apparve una montagna bruna per la distanza e parvami alta tanto quanto veduta non avea alcuna noi ci allegrammo e tosto torno in pianto che della nuova terra un turbo nacque e percosse al delegno il primo canto tre volte il fe girà con tutte l'acque e la quarta lava la poppa in suso e la prora ire in giù come altrui piacque infin che il mar fu sovra noi richiuso translation by longfellow then of the antique flame the greater horn murmuring began to wave itself about even as the flame doth which the wind fatigues there afterward the summit to and fro moving as if it were the tongue that spake it uttered forth a voice and said when i from circe had departed who concealed me more than a year there near unto gaeta or ever yet aeneas named it so nor fondness for my son nor reverence for my old father nor the due affection which joyous should have made penelope could overcome within me the desire i had to be experienced of the world and of the vice and virtue of mankind but i put forth on the high open sea with one sole ship and that small company by which i never had deserted been both of the shores i saw as far as spain far as morocco and the isle of sardes and the others which that sea bathes round about i and my company were old and slow 
When at that narrow passage we arrived, Where Hercules his landmarks set as signals, That man no farther onward should adventure, On the right hand, behind me, left I Seville, And on the other already had left Ceuta. O brothers, who amid a hundred thousand perils, I said, have come unto the west, To this so inconsiderable vigil, which is remaining of your senses still. Be ye unwilling to deny the knowledge, following the sun, of the unpeopled world. Consider ye the seed from which ye sprang. Ye were not made to live like unto brutes, but for pursuit of virtue and of knowledge. So eager did I render my companions with this brief exhortation for the voyage that then I hardly could have held them back. And having turned our stern unto the morning, We of the oars made wings for our mad flight, Evermore gaining on the larboard side. Already all the stars of the other pole The night beheld, and ours so very low, It did not rise above the ocean floor. Five times rekindled, and as many quenched Had been the splendour underneath the moon, Since we had entered into the deep pass when there appeared to us a mountain, dim from distance, and it seemed to me so high as I had never any one beheld. Joyful were we, and soon it turned to weeping, for out of the new land a whirlwind rose and smote upon the fore-part of the ship. Three times it made her whirl with all the waters. At the fourth time it made the stern uplift, and the prow downward go, as pleased another, until the sea above us closed again. Ulysses by Alfred Lord Tennyson As I view this as a dramatic monologue, rather than a piece of poetic description, I will be reading it in character, so to speak. To me, it seems that Ulysses not only hankers for the glorious adventures of past years, but, deep down, fears that he will not be able to recreate them. In this sense, Dante's view coincides with Tennyson's. Ulysses will always be an unquiet grave. It little profits that an idle king, by this still hearth, among these barren crags, matched with an aged wife, I meet and dole unequal laws unto a savage race that hoard and sleep, and feed, and know not me. I cannot rest from travel. I will drink life to the lees, old times I have enjoyed greatly, have suffered greatly, both with those that loved me, and alone, on shore, and when through scudding drifts the rainy Hyades vexed the dim sea. I am become a name, for always roaming with a hungry heart, much have I seen and known, cities of men, and manners, climates, councils, governments, myself not least, but honoured of them all, and drunk delight of battle with my peers, far on the ringing plains of windy Troy. I am a part of all that I have met, yet all experience is an arch wherethrough gleams that untravelled world, whose margin fades for ever, and for ever when I move. How dull it is to pause, to make an end, 
to rust unburnished, not to shine in use, as though to breathe were life. Life, piled on life, were all too little, and of one to me little remains. But every hour is saved from that eternal silence, something more, a bringer of new things, and vile it were for some three sons to store and hoard myself, and this grey spirit yearning in desire to follow knowledge like a sinking star beyond the utmost bound of human thought. This is my son, my own Telemachus, to whom I leave the sceptre and the isle, well loved of me, discerning to fulfil this labour, by slow prudence to make mild a rugged people, and through soft degrees subdue them to the useful and the good. Most blameless is he, centred in the sphere of common duties, decent not to fail in offices of tenderness, and pay meet adoration to my household gods when I am gone. He works his work, I mine. There lies the port, the vessel puffs her sail, there gloom the dark broad seas. My mariners, souls that have toiled and wrought and thought with me, that ever with a frolic welcome took the thunder and the sunshine, and opposed free hearts, free foreheads. You and I are old. Old age hath yet his honour and his toil. Death closes all. But something ere the end, some work of noble note, may yet be done, not unbecoming men that strove with gods. The lights begin to twinkle from the rocks, the long day wanes, the slow moon climbs, the deep moans round with many voices. Come, my friends, tis not too late to seek a newer world. Push off, and sitting well in order smite the sounding furrows, for my purpose holds to sail beyond the sunset and the bars of all the western stars, until I die. It may be that the gulfs will wash us down. It may be we shall touch the happy isles and see the great Achilles, whom we knew, though much is taken, much abides. And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are, one equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. And, indeed, Ulysses did not yield an attitude for which he was punished by the severe and confining deity of Dante, but for which he is honoured by venturous mankind. For Ulysses, divine certainty was clearly not enough. He is seeking the ultimate beyond, as spoken of in the Buddhist Heart Sutra. Gone, gone, gone beyond, gone altogether beyond. Oh, what an awakening! All hail!